It is good to see you today. I want to thank you for taking the time that we could join together in uh, walking out this series. We're working it out. So those of you who are joining us online, uh, thanks. Uh, wherever you may be, for those of you who are gathered in Adrian or maybe gathered in Harrisonville today, going to celebrate a, a baptism there today. We're, we're excited about that. Or uh, maybe you're gathered in your home or on vacation because tis the season. Uh, wherever you may be, we truly uh, just thank you for taking the time that uh, we could be together for a few minutes today. I have shown you this little toy before. Um, it, it is a spotting scope, right? It, it's a spotting scope, and uh, it, it does a little better than my, my little binoculars do. I, we like taking the, the spotting scope on trips when our, when our family travels, maybe like to, you know, a park, a national park or something like that, and you're able to spot the animals that are way across the field. Um, but I've also grown to enjoy using the spotting scope to look into the night sky. Pretty cool. But I have a friend who has taken this to a whole nother level. And today, I want to share that with you. Yeah. 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 Now, that is a scope. Look out here. That will reach a little bit further than mine will, right? Um, several weeks ago, May 15th, I think it was, um, there was a lunar eclipse. Anybody check out the lunar eclipse that night? Yeah, I was glad that I was reminded at the last moment. I'm standing outside with my spotting scope, and I'm, I'm trying to, to uh, take it in. And my friend sent me a photo of the blood moon. That's what they call it when there's a full lunar eclipse and the, the red tint that hits the moon. Um, just really super cool. But I want you to see a couple of other photos that this little baby makes possible. Isn't that cool? That, that's the horse head nebula. And just in case what's going through your mind right now is that's a little bit blurry. We ain't claiming it's the Hubble, all right? But come on, that's, that's pretty cool. That, that's pretty cool that you could actually see that. The, the, the Horsehead uh, Nebula, it's located in the constellation, uh, constellation, constellation Orion. It's actually the, the easternmost star of Orion's belt. And speaking of Orion's belt, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I'm sure you remember from Astronomy 101 that the the milky stripe that we can see on a, on a clear, dark night is a dense collection of stars in one of the Milky Way's spiral arms. That arm 
scientists believe is about a thousand light years thick. A thousand light years. Scientists estimate our, our galaxy, all of those spiral arms together, to be some 100,000 light years thick. Now, I'm going to remind you, a light year, that's the distance, right, that, that light travels in a year, 5.88 trillion miles times, in this case, 100,000. And that's what we're talking about, the thickness of our galaxy. But I'm telling you, that is a chip on the tip of the, of the cosmic iceberg that we're dealing with because recent estimates total the number of galaxies in the universe between 150 and 200 billion galaxies between 150 and 200 billion. And some believe because of the newest telescopes that exist that it, it may actually be 10 times that amount. All of this within a universe that has an estimated radius. Remember what the radius is? The radius is the middle of something straight point to the outer edge of something 46 billion light years. So when you and I look up into the night sky, oh, the vast darkness, just endless darkness, but one thing changes our perspective, stars, stars. With the naked eye, we can actually see a couple of thousand stars. But you look through the telescope and do the math, and you will discover that in our galaxy alone, there is some 200 to 400 billion stars in the Milky Way. Our neighbor, Andromeda, has apparently a trillion or more stars. What are the total number of stars? Scientists have estimated, they will use the word one septillion, which is a one followed by 24 zeros. You know how I translate that? Don't know. How many stars are there? Don't know. But here's what I do know. Seeing even a few suddenly makes the darkness Beautiful, doesn't it? Even a few shining stars transforms the darkness into a sight of wonder. Wouldn't it be wonderful if our world could see God like that? What I mean is, wouldn't it, wouldn't it change the world's perspective if while staring into the darkness, and come on, sometimes when you, you look at this world, it feels like a vast darkness. It, it feels like a vast darkness of selfishness, does it not? It, it feels like darkness in, in sickness and darkness in suffering. 
And by the way, sometimes that darkness is not just a result of the world's decisions. Sometimes, unfortunately, that darkness can even be a result of some things the church has done. And next week, I'm actually, I think, going to attempt to address a little bit of a current situation with that. But my point today is that when the darkness seems endless, vast, what if, what if the world could see the light of God's presence? What if the world could see the light of God's hand working, the light of God's love shining? That is my question today as we arrive at our text in Philippians chapter 2. We have been studying this all year long, and today I'm just going to give you one more sentence. One more sentence. But it's attached to what Matt taught us last week, so I'm going to start with verse 14. Do everything without grumbling and arguing. If you didn't hear last week's message, you should go, go back and check it out. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then, then you, you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. You will shine like stars in the sky. Wouldn't it be amazing if the church could have that effect on the world? That in the darkness, not grumbling, not complaining, but shining, Now, if this light talk sounds familiar, it is. It's really familiar because Jesus also talked about light, didn't he? I mean, we even sing a little song about it sometimes. So so could it be that what Jesus said about light, could that be connected to what Paul's saying about light here? Well, let's check it out. Won't take us but a minute. Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. This is how Jesus sets it up. Blessed are you when people insult you persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. So here's the setting. Jesus is saying you're following me and you're struggling because of it, because of how people are treating you, what you're facing. Rejoice. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Hmm. When I read what Jesus said and I realize what he's describing, he's saying when when you're treated wrongly, instead of grumbling, we do what? We rejoice. We rejoice. It's the same kind of circumstance that Paul is dealing with in Philippians. Again, we've been studying this book all year long, and we know the situation for the Philippians is they have been facing some opposition because of their following Jesus. And Paul has been encouraging them, don't don't walk around afraid, don't don't respond in fear, right? And if you do that right, this is going to be a sign to them. In other words, the way you respond to the opposition, it's staggering when people see it. It's bright. 
if we really believe Jesus said how short this life is, and if we really believe how great the reward in heaven is, then we are able to rejoice even in our struggles. And then Jesus gives two pictures of that, and we're just going to look at one. Verse 14, we're going to jump to, you are the light of the world. How clear can that be? You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine before others that they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father. And so we read that text sometimes and I think we go, okay, what what is it that lets our light shine? It it is the good deeds. It's good deeds. It's when we do good deeds, then then the light shines. And I'm going to just cast out this consideration. Uh, What about the thousands of good deeds that are going to happen around us today but nobody gives glory to God for it. Like all the good deeds that are gonna happen in our world today, and actually the person who does the good deed is gonna actually get the credit. See, I'm presenting to you the idea that good works alone do not bring attention to God, but there's something else attached to this, and I'm confident that because both Jesus made the statement And Paul makes the statement, this happens in a context of good deeds with joy in suffering, in struggle. That's the context. That's what Jesus is describing when they persecute you. That's what Paul is talking about in Philippians. Hey, when you have opposition, he's saying, when you do good deeds with joy in struggle, that is what gets the attention of the world because this is not the response that the world normally sees. It is shocking. It is like light in the darkness And sometimes even those who are hurting you don't know what to do with that. So I'm asking you just as we tear into this today, like, does that describe you? Does that describe you right now with whatever you are facing? And together today, all of us who are joined together, man, it's a big list of what we are facing. The question is, in whatever you are facing, what is your position in that? Does it look like a position of rejoicing? Or does it look like a position of complaining? And if you are living a life of rejoicing, Who's seeing it? Who's seeing it? See, it's one of those things that I never thought we'd really have to actually address, but in the current culture in which we live, I have to say things like, 
The statement that Jesus made and the statement that Paul made both assume something. They assume that you are doing life with people in the world. It assumes that. So in a day where isolation has become the move, in a day where isolation tends to be the, the, the play, we got to be reminded that, that what we are called to here, J Jesus is saying, Paul is saying, this is with people that do not yet know Jesus. Last week, Matt gave you three very practical examples of how rather than complaining on some issues in our culture, instead, we could take some very positive action. But every one of those in examples impacted people. It impacted people. When you do that, you shine in the darkness. Here's my point. It shouldn't be required that the world needs a telescope to see you shine. It shouldn't be required that they have to look that hard. Because what we're describing is a people who in our struggle rejoice instead of complaining because of who we belong to. But we're doing it with people. Does your social media look like the rest of the world or does it shine? You say, well, how do you make a difference in that? Here's one I just observed, and I'm not even the guy that's the expert at social media, but here's my outside observation, all right? Everybody else tends to post how perfect their life is when it's not. You know that, right? You know that about all those people that you're watching online? They're posting as though their life looks perfect. It's not, right? How about instead, the people of God were willing to bring Here's where we live, even in our imperfection. Here's where we live, even in our struggle. But in our struggle, we have joy because of who Jesus is. Who's posting that stuff? Because according to Jesus and according to Paul, that's the stuff that shines when they see you in your struggle and yet they still see that you have hope and that you can rejoice, that's where you shine. All right, but I got one more big question that's attached to this. Okay, how? I mean, I get it, it's good deeds, but how, how we pull this off? And I'm grateful that Paul gives us that answer. If we go back to Philippians chapter two and our our sentence today, it says at the end here, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. As you hold firmly to the word of life. That word hold, it's actually um, a, a participle, which means holding. That's how we would say it in the English language, all right? Holding firmly. In other words, this is the way. This is how you do it. How do I get to the point in my life that it is not dominated by a pessimistic, critical, 
poor me, blame you, look what's been done to me, how bad can it get mentality? How do you make that shift? Holding firmly to the word of life. Next question, then what is the word of life? Well, I mean, I think the word of life here is the words that God speaks. And so we would say the word of life is certainly all of God's word that he gives to us. But I also think that there are times that the apostle Paul sums that up with the word gospel. It's the word good news. It's what Jesus has done for us, right? And so let me show you why I think that really quick. If we go back to Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, here's something that we've already read. Whatever happens, he says... Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens. Now, what's happening to Paul? Prison. And he's saying, but even in prison, I want my life to reflect the gospel of Christ. Look at these words. Stand firm. Hold firmly. Right? In the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Verse 28 without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a, say it. It's like a star in the darkness. It's a sign to them. It's this glare. When, when they oppose you, but you are not frightened, when you respond with a faith, right, uh, attached to, right, this gospel, it, it is a sign to them. It is the similar language that we're hearing today. When you hold fast to the word of life, your life will shine. Let me give you one more place. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you, check out this language, hold firmly to the word. Same, same phrase. Hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. I think the word of life is God's word, but it, it, Paul sums it up with the word gospel. It is this good news of Jesus, but how? How is holding to the word of life the key to me not grumbling and instead living a life of rejoicing? Well, what have we seen from Philippians so far? What have we seen so far? We've seen that the word of life promises security for us. Remember back at verse 6, Paul said that the one who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. The word of life promises me that what God has started in this guy, God's going to finish in this guy. When we got to like verse 23 in chapter 1, Paul said, I desire to depart and to be with Christ. And we talked about how... how how much security is there in the fact that even when I die, where do I go? I go to be with Jesus. The word of life brings security for us. The, the word of life also promises us that no matter what we are going through, 
We do not have to be thrown off this mission that God has given us of declaring his greatness. Remember what the apostle Paul said way back in verse 12. He said, what's happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. What's happened to him? Prison. And so look, God's word, this word of life promises me that no matter what struggles I face, God makes everything that happens to me a means of advancing his good news. The word of life has also promised us that God exalts the humble. So in this journey of desiring to live in such a way that people will see the brightness of God's love, it means that I'm okay with saying everyone deserves to be served. And even if it costs me, it's worth it because that's what Jesus has shown us. The way up is down. And no matter what it costs, it's worth it. Maybe some of us today would be willing to be honest and just admit. Jeff, I hear all of this. And honestly, I, I, I believe it. Like, I, I believe in that security. I, I believe in those promises of God. But right now, in my life, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Like, I hear everything that you're saying. But right now, with what I'm facing, as much as I want to shine... It feels more like my life is just spinning. And it seems appropriate today in the text that we have that my answer to you would be, you are. You are spinning. And more than you think. In fact, if it feels like you are sitting still right now, I would remind you that it is an illusion of miraculous proportion. Because does anybody remember back in grade school when they taught you how the earth is spinning on its axis? And does anybody remember that the earth spins on its axis at a speed of a thousand miles per hour? And so every day, every day, this planet that we're on literally does a celestial 360. Thousand miles per hour spins. And we know that the earth, right, in in this solar system in which we, we, we are located, the, the earth is also in a spin cycle right around the sun. I, anybody remember how that works? 67,000 miles per hour. So on those days that it just feels like you went nowhere, you actually went 1.6 million miles. That's where you went. And the arms 
of our galaxy are also spiraling around a super massive black hole called Sagittarius A. It's about 27,000 light years from us. Let me put this together for you because this is my point. My point is the earth is spinning on its axis at 1,000 miles per hour. Our solar system is spinning also at 67,000 miles per hour, and our galaxy is spinning like a galactic pinwheel at 483,000 miles miles per hour. And the fact that all of that works together, if that's not a miracle, then I don't know what is. But I'm confident, pretty confident. Actually, I think I'm more than pretty confident that none of us woke up this morning and had this conversation with God. God, I, I was just sure, I, 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 I just wasn't sure we were going to make the full rotation today, but you did it again. No. You see, we already believe God for the big miracles like that. If you're like me, my struggle is to believe more of the little ones. Like, can God cure illness? And with that, sometimes that we know that him curing the illness is not the best direction, and so a miracle of can God give me peace if he calls me to walk through it. We struggle with the little miracles of oh, this, this door that it looks like needs to be opened, an opportunity in my life. Can God open this door? Or the miracle of a God who would say, this door is not good for you, and so you need to trust that it is closed. Or maybe the miracle of could God give me the discipline to get out of debt? Or the miracle could God give me the discernment to, to know the right person to marry, right? We could go on and on our struggle with, with those. Here's my point. I am not diminishing anybody's struggle, I promise you. I am not belittling any, anybody's hurt today. But I am asking the question, compared to keeping the planets in orbit, how big is your biggest problem? in terms of the power required to fix it. I'm gonna go ahead and throw in for some of you compared to keeping the planets in orbit, how big is your biggest dream of what God could do even in your struggle? You think you're spinning? You are. But the spinning from your current circumstance is happening inside a bigger spinning of the universe. And my, if he holds the power to handle the spinning galaxies, then he holds the power to handle my spinning life. But will he? Will he? Because having the power to do something 
and caring enough to do it are two different things. So maybe I see a God who has the power to hold the universe in place, but I don't know if this God cares about my little existence. We are not the first to consider such a question. That's what I love about God's word. It is honest. Long time ago, was a king by the name of David. He once wrote a song that contained these words, Psalm chapter 8, verse 3. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? Let me see if I can put this in perspective for us today. When we talk space, when we talk galaxies, and it's just big, isn't it? I mean, it's like the numbers are so crazy big that it just almost makes it impossible to, to relate to that. So I'm going to see if I can scale it down. All right, That's my goal. I'm going to scale it down a little bit. And we're going we're gonna to try to pretend as though our Milky Way galaxy is the size of a football field, all right? So I just typed in, hey, most beautiful football fields in the world, and oh, check it out. (laughs) That's like Death Valley in Baton Rouge. I mean, it just like happened to come up. That's what came up. But but anyway, let's just get a field. Can we get the field, just the field? There we go. So I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine that our galaxy was scaled down to the size of a football field. Our solar system, all right? So remember when you studied that in school, that you got the sun and you got all those planets. You had to name them in order, right? And all kinds of funny stuff happened. But you, the solar system, our solar system on this scale of the football field would be the size of a grain of salt about the 20-yard line. Isn't that wild? I didn't say our planet Earth. I said the solar system. The solar system is the size of a grain of salt on the football field at about the 20-yard line. The nearest star to Earth, it's actually... uh, Um, a triple star system, right, Alpha Centauri, on our scale here, it would be 4.4 milliliters away from, milliliters, millimeters away from Earth. Can't talk today. Millimeters away from Earth, which for most of us is not any wider than your pinky. So on that football field, the nearest star to to, to us, 4.4 this wide, but that represents 4.4 light years. I'm reminding you at 5.88 trillion miles per light year, right? That does, does he carry the two? That's 25 trillion miles, 25 trillion miles. I'm saying that our planet is a microscopic dot within a solar system 
That's like a grain of salt if the galaxy were the size of a football field. And this football field is located within 200 billion football fields. Anybody feel small? Small. So let's read David's words again. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? Can I give you the word of life? Can I give it to you? The God who spoke all of that into existence and the God who holds all those galaxies in the palm of his hand is the God who made you to know him. Let's just sit with that for a minute. He made you to know him. Look, when David looked up to the heavens long ago, he did not know what we can know now, the vast, immeasurable extent of the universe, 200 billion galaxies, a radius of 46 billion light years. But I also know that when David asks, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them, he did not know then what we know now, a vast, immeasurable extent to the love of God for you and me, that when we rejected God's offer to know him, and instead we said, we can be better gods, and we walked away, our God did the unthinkable thinkable he went low and he humbled himself becoming obedient even to the place of death on a cross David didn't know it yet that our God would die for us because even when we walked away from him he wants us back and I'm telling you today he is the God who knows our hurt he is the God who feels our struggle He is the God who, whether or not you can see it or not, he is at work in your circumstance. It was Henry Ward Beecher who once said, tears are often the telescope by which men see far into heaven. I'm no Beecher, but I think it gets better than that. I believe that God can turn every tear into a telescope that sees his heart. Every tear. When you know that truth and you choose to live within that truth, then even on the darkest nights of your life, You don't have to grumble. You don't have to complain. You can shine with love, joy, and 
peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. You will shine like the stars in the night sky. And in that darkness, the world will see the glory of God. Just one sentence today. One darkness-changing sentence. Can you see it? And will you shine? God, that is our prayer today. That is our prayer today. God, across this gathering today, literally we are spread out all over the place. There is a list that is immense, a vast darkness of circumstances and situations, our struggles. God, things that just leave us feel like we are spinning. And God, today I am asking that by the power of your spirit, that when we take in the word of life that you give to us, that today you will help us to believe that you are the God that not only holds the heavens in place, but you are the God on this day that holds our heart. You are here. You love. You speak. You hold. God, today I am asking that you would minister in every one of these situations. Give us, God, eyes that can see your brightness. God, give us ears that can hear your word of life today. I am asking in the name of Jesus that there could be healing today. First steps of healing. That then, God, you might empower your people to live bright. Knowing that does not mean that we project a life that is perfect. We do not project a life of no struggle. It is in our struggle that we will declare that we have joy because we know you. God, will you make your people light? It's in the name of Jesus that we celebrate it today. Amen and amen. That's what we're going to do. We're going to close it by declaring this truth, this word of life that Jesus said, you are the light of the world, and that is where we're going to follow him. Let's stand together here. I invite you to stand wherever you may be, and let us declare that truth.